Welcome to Acro Capital's in-house podcast, where we have guests in the startup scene from all over Africa. Our guest for this episode is Hannah Subai. Hannah has been investing in Africa for the past seven years, mainly as a portfolio manager in a large private equity firm, and more recently in her personal capacity as an angel investor in a prominent gender angel fund in South Africa. Hannah has also recently been appointed as a senator to represent South Africa in the Grand Assembly of the World Business Angels Investment Forum. So, um, Hannah, thanks for coming on the podcast and being our second ever guest. Um, could you take us through a bit of your background? Thank you very much for having me today, uh, Chris. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Hannah. Um, I am based in Cape Town. I am originally uh, and proudly from uh, DRC. Um, I have grew. Um, I grew up in France. Did my schooling in Paris, where uh, I received my master's degree in finance and my master's degree in uh, business and international law. Uh, and I started my career as an investment banker uh, in London for almost. Uh, four or five years, uh, working uh, initially as an equity capital market specialist and then moving on to uh, mergers and acquisitions um, covering various sectors. Um, so after four or five years uh, in London, I was uh, successfully handhunted to join um, one of the largest uh, private equity firms on the continent, which is based um, in uh, Cape Town and in Mauritius. Uh, this was already like seven years ago, so uh, time yeah. flies. Um, and uh, since then, I have been uh, successfully deploying capital um, all over the continent and traveling north, west, uh, east, uh, and southern. Um, so uh, really uh, meaningful. Uh, experience um, but I think um, now I'm going to uh, start talking a little bit more about my journey as an angel investor um, I started to grow a bit frustrated three years ago uh, because of the lack of diversity of the management teams uh, I, I was uh, meeting at the private equity level where uh, by definition the transaction sizes are, are, are large and you know the business is more sizable uh, so three years ago I decided to uh, make a personal effort and to be more intentional in terms of uh, you know uh, interacting with um, entrepreneurs and SMEs and try to uh, do my uh, job in terms of you know helping early stage uh, companies uh, and in this context I was lucky enough to uh, meet uh, like-minded individuals uh, so with whom we uh, started Dazzle Angels which is uh, the first South African angel investment uh, fund that is uh, solely investing uh, in female-led uh, tech businesses um, and more recently I have started to do angel investing uh, in my own personal capacity um, and building my own network of uh, fellow angel investors all over the continent. So a very exciting yeah, journey fantastic. And that's why you hear Acro, you know, um, we are at the very beginning, you know, the very start of the entrepreneurial journey, you know. Um, so, so as far as e economic development goes, um, which industry do you think an essay uh, needs the most in this case, you know? Well, so I think I think all over the place, really. You you find health tech, sports tech, um, a bit, you know, retail as well. So I think the, the pipeline we've seen is quite interesting. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, female founders in South Africa, just like in the rest of the world, 
suffers from a variety of uh, issues unfortunately that that we are trying to address uh, both operationally in terms of fundraising in terms of you know building sustainable so businesses all over the spectrum so what would you get behind as an Asian, Asian investor um, what excites you the most when you see um, so, so I think, and um, and this is a feedback or an advice I would like to give to all entrepreneurs, all um, angel investors, uh, and investors, generally speaking, have different styles, right? And uh, one investor can be very relevant and suitable for one business, but this Definitely. might not be the case for yeah, another one. Yeah. Uh, so as an entrepreneur, you really need to do your due diligence on the investor and make sure that on top of uh, capital, you are building a sustainable institu institutional relationship with with the investor. So personally, what excites me the most, like having that sort of immediate connection uh, with the entrepreneur yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, seeing the passion with the entrepreneur. And obviously, I prefer to invest in sectors that I also personally have uh, interests and skills uh, and expertise. Uh, so in my case, I've invested in a sort of sport tech business. Um, or let's say if I take a step back, a data analytics business, which has applications in various fields and right now the, the entrepreneur uh, is um, focusing on sports so techs and time. health tech as well so I love sports so obviously I was excited awesome yeah and I mean that's what it, um, I love about it too is that it, it's so personal at this level you know what I mean there, definitely there, there is data but there's much less data to go on it's, uh, it's more no there is definitely data so that's why I'm saying the first step is already to have this connection with the entrepreneur but definitely yeah, yeah. you need to ensure that you focus on what you think are uh, the drivers of a successful venture and I think again uh, different investors are have different styles and there is no magic formula because otherwise you know all the investors would apply the same formula of course, and yeah, yeah, all yeah. the ventures would be successful <laughs> um, but I think in my case I'm very sensitive to uh, you know um, the, the, the investment case uh, revenue generations attraction uh, and also I always want to make sure that the, the full profile and network of the entrepreneur uh, makes sense so I'm still uh, quite early in this journey. Um, me too, me too. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, yeah, if I can talk about that one specific investment that I really, really uh, love, um, met the entrepreneur. Um, actually, I think she reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, so I think, wow, by yeah. the way, that LinkedIn a, is a very powerful tool. A, um, a cold, it wasn't even a warm intro, it was a cold reach out. That's very nice. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, there, there was this connection and probably from my side, uh, I like the way she, she wrote the, the message. Obviously, she's very talented, um, high profile, liked what she was trying to achieve. And uh, then obviously, we started to, to, to interact and to meet and to start the formal sort of due diligence process. Um, I think it actually, it took me a couple of months to be comfortable uh, with the entrepreneur, which is not necessarily something that uh, you'd like to see in the angel investment space. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, like investing in a business, uh, especially at the angel stage, is like a marriage, like yeah, it's a long term relationship. You have to know the person. So you can put all the best legal terms that you want on, yeah, a, no. on an agreement at the end of the day. If there is a broken relationship with the entrepreneur, exactly, you're not yeah, going to yeah, go yeah. That, that far. Uh, but I think what I like to see 
see also from an entrepreneur because you asked me the question. So on top of having this connection, uh, seeing the patient, I like to see consistency. Mm, uh, so I think for me, if it takes me uh, three months to make my view on entrepreneur, it's not necessarily because uh, I don't trust the numbers you have shown me. I don't trust your product or or uh, what other uh, information you, you have shared, but it's just that I want to see over this period of three months, execution, uh, execution consistency in your approach, in your behavior, in your personality. Mm. Um, sometimes I also make sure that I not only meet the entrepreneur, like, you know, in a sort of one-on-one formal setting, but like I invite the entrepreneur to certain conferences. Well, not now, obviously, mm. but uh, it's always good to meet the entrepreneurs in different environments and see how the entrepreneur Definitely. behaves as well. Like, you like to know them well enough so that if if something happens you can kind of formulate what they're going to do already by because, because uh, at the end of the day what i've learned from my um eight years of investing in africa both at the private equity level uh, to some extent a little bit vc and angel investment level uh, it's always easy to appear uh, and brand yourself as nice and professional when things go well but it's when things go tough uh, that people tend to kind of, you know, obviously uh, misbehave, forget about legal agreement. And at the end of the day, what remains is a sort of strong bond, uh, bond and relationships that you have formed with the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. When, when they don't deliver on something, you want to know. Exactly. Do you still communicate? Do you still exactly, report yeah, yeah. on the information? Okay. Do you remain constructive? Do you Are you coachable? Do you exactly. take coachable. constructive uh, criticisms the right way? Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, another angel investor would give you a different answer, right? Definitely, because also yeah. I think um, as I'm building my portfolio, um, I think during speaking, I, I still like to be uh, hands-on and involved and having very frequent interactions with my entrepreneurs. And I hope my entrepreneurs uh, are not going to complain about that. Uh, but I suspect that there are probably some investments where, you know, you don't need to be that involved and really the entrepreneur just need capital. And obviously mm. you will have less interactions as well. Um, but yeah. um, so what really excites you now um, in a South African context or um, in a global context? Like what technologies do you think we really need? You know what I mean? What's going to be on um, I'm quite front? passionate about um, EdTech you know, application of technology in the education field, because as you know, uh, obviously Africa has always uh, uh, lagging uh, from that perspective. Uh, I think that regardless of uh, the quality or lack of quality, unfortunately, of infrastructure that our governments are putting together, if the population is not educated the right way, with the right knowledge and tools to actually think for themselves, uh, this continent is, is bound to fail. Uh, so I'm always excited to see how we can use, uh, you know, technology, uh, online, you know, uh, softwares and and different, you know, like um, different things to make sure that education is provided to the mass market uh, in a cost-effective manner. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, edtech was not hot. You know what I mean? It wasn't yes. a hot thing, but even o- overseas, it's become, you know, a yes. big thing, especially with coronavirus. Now everyone's yes. at home, you know. Yes. Um, so I, I love to see that sort of thing. It's not something I would have, to be honest, it's not something I would have um, predicted, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, well, yeah, that's for sure. But nobody could have predicted. Uh, no, no, but you like to, you know, <laughs> you like to know and then it happens. And then so on a more global like scale, um, what do you think about pollution tech? You know, like what, what do you think about it, about something that could like 
you know, what, what would really inspire me is that if someone came to me and said, listen, I can make organic de biodegradable plastic. I think the challenge um, when it comes to um, to Africa that at the same time we have to tackle very simple sort of issues that of course, yeah, other yeah. continents have dealt no no but hold on have dealt with like a long time ago but at the same time we also want to be to remain innovative and to use tools. Uh, of the future to kind of solve those issues so it's always difficult I think to find the right balance because and we also need I guess to prioritize right because pollution I think is a reality definitely right so is it a question of yeah I don't know is it a first world problem yeah, as course, some people yeah. say probably not but yeah it's yeah, always difficult yeah. to find yeah, it, where it, to start which goes back to my point in terms of I personally as an individual and angel investor rather focus on the sectors of the field where I think I have like more knowledge and network and, and potential impact uh, instead of trying to tackle all the issues because then, you know, it's just like... Uh, of not, course, yeah, not, I know, I know. Not I know. possible. Uh, we just chose something, um, uh, something small scale or something African. Um, not that EdTech isn't, you know, needed everywhere, but then also something very global. Um, anyway, um, so, let's, so tell me all about um, Dazzle Angels. Yes, uh, Dazzle Angels, uh, we, we've been operating now for uh, kind of a year and a half, um, but I guess we were busy building, you know, a pipeline uh, and our network of uh, entrepreneurs we could potentially in incorporate in our portfolio. Uh, we have closed recently our first transaction. Uh, we'll well see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, a, it's quite an interesting journey. Um, I think the, the, the positive um, the positive that I get from Desert Angel is the fact that you're working with like-minded individuals but with different you know background have different different experiences uh, different investment views um, and obviously it's always interesting to see how sometimes you would find one business extremely attractive but another person would say oh my gosh I would never put that it's very strange hey? it's yeah. very strange uh, Strange, I don't know if it's a word that uh, I would use. I would say humbling. Oh, no, I mean, it's strange how, like, I could be like, oh, I love this business, and then my friend could be like, um, not really, you know, oh. I mean, it's at this, you know. Yes, uh, but I guess from my perspective, it has been quite uh, humbling and a good learning curve because it also pushes you to, uh, you know, justify your investment case a bit better, make sure you actually understand uh, uh, the business uh, that the entrepreneur is trying to put in place. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I think Elon Musk said um, that a well-formed criticism uh, yes. of your approach or whatever is is worth gold you know yes um so devil's advocacy and also uh, just to add for the angel so not only is this diversity of profile is positive when it comes to actually making an investment decision uh, but hopefully this diversity of profile will be also uh, also very helpful when it comes to adding value to the to the business right we have some finance specialists some hr specialists some you know like accounting specialists and all this kind of thing so should be a good mix um are there, are there any specific founder traits that you absolutely love you know like um if you see a certain thing you know like like them willing to take um less than a market salary for a long period of time because they believe in it so much oh, things right. like that you know what i mean 
Yeah, sure. Um, That's my personal I think, one. <laughs> but, but I think I'm going back to, and I don't want to be repetitive, but I think for me it's a, uh, yeah, a fit between uh, my personal, you know, like um, preferences uh, and the sector in which the entrepreneur is operating, the passion, the profile, the suitability of this profile. Uh, I guess you're starting to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, bootstrapping and the various sort of uh, capital structures that early stage entrepreneurs go for. Um, so I think what I've learned is that depending on the type of entrepreneurs, you want to use different tools. And by that, I mean, obviously, an entrepreneur from a poor background will not necessarily have the luxury to not draw himself or herself a salary for months because otherwise, you know, like they, they can't film themselves. So when an entrepreneur from a poor background obviously pays himself a salary, this is normal, but it's maybe not what an entrepreneur from a wealthier background would do because they can afford it. And this doesn't mean that one entrepreneur is not as successful or as talented as the other yeah, one, yeah. but it's just that as an angel investor, you have to factor in all those, all course, those yeah, different, yeah, yeah. like yeah. you know, differences when when you make a, a decision. So, um, in our email correspondence, you emphasize some of the intangible aspects uh, of building a company, like emotional resilience and mental health. Definitely, because I think we live in a in a period um, where you know, especially I think the past three four years, entrepreneurship uh, in Africa has been uh, kind of uh, showcased as a miracle which is going to save the continent. Fundraising is the proof that your business is successful, uh, but the reality is no. You're likely to to uh, encounter a lot of you know failures and disappointments, and you will think as an entrepreneur that oh, I had a great meeting with this large corporate on Monday. Uh, they said that they will send me the agreement and the next day they yeah. said, actually, sorry. And you know, this happened actually to a lot of entrepreneurs with the COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of large corporates have just, you know, postponed a lot of their potential projects. So you need to be able to deal with that as an entrepreneur. And I think one of the lessons that I've learned that some people are just not equipped to, to, to deal with that um, if they are not intentional in terms of building their own em- emotional resilience to adversity basically it really is important. Uh, and I think it's also important for for entrepreneurs to understand that yeah being an entrepreneur is like a lifestyle this will have uh, being an entrepreneur has an impact on your family relationship your social relationship are you really ready for that and uh, yeah you 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 have to be aware of all those potential challenges uh, when when you, when you are an entrepreneur yeah. and find ways to basically remain balanced exactly, in this yeah. sort of unbalanced um, uh, universe. When the buck stops with you, you know, when, when there's no safety net, you know, you are the CEO or the founder, like you have to be aware of all, all these things and so biases. In, in, interesting that you mentioned that. I always remind my entrepreneurs that they are not alone. Yes, you are the CEO of your business and you are sort of potentially alone at the top of your business even if I think if you build a good team around you you should never feel that alone in your own business in some ways you're alone in some ways you're not Yes, but on top of that, as a CEO, you have a vast network of, you know, people like advisors, uh, mentors that you could, yeah, that you can and that you should reach out to mm. should you face like an operational issue or personal issue. Or and the quality of that network, like the, that actually have your best interests at heart, you know what I mean? That- 
the exactly you know. like like having um, um, an effective tangible valuable network is actually something that I always um, try to um, advocate for when it comes to my entrepreneur because it's also very fashionable to say oh I have a big network uh, I have 20k <laughs> followers on LinkedIn no a network is um, or someone part of your network someone you can actually set up like a formal call meeting with uh, where you can discuss about an action actual problem uh, and this person will have the seniority or the experience uh, to address or help you address this issue and on top of that you know that this is a communication that is based on trust right because the last thing you want is to reach out to someone in your network and the next day everybody in the market knows that oh, oh my gosh this venture is actually you know a fraud a scam uh, so 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 yeah like defi uh, de define properly what a network we uh, is and understand that you're never alone actually mm, and yeah. when you think you're alone it means that you're not thinking about your network well enough okay cool um so um now um Hannah has opted in to do the uh, um, medium fire round of 10 questions that... Um, I was forced. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, but if, in the last episode, I gave it to Jason. Um, so Hannah's opted in. She wants to do it. Um, but they're not hard, don't worry. Which current developments give you hope for the future of humankind? Hopeful or negative and pessimistic? <laughs> no, 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 they give you hope. So like... Um, uh, helping female founders of color. I, th you know. I think I think it's a bit of a tough one given uh, the current environment around the world. I would uh, say the for me it would be the um, willingness of investors to do what you're doing and help um, you know underrepresented um, in America and. Um, yeah, I guess, which is a drop in the ocean. But I guess my, my, my answer to your question, which is not a direct answer, but hopefully if people can remember that, you know, being kind to 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 their, you know, like fellow human beings... Goes a long way. Uh, ...would be the first step probably to kind of, uh, yeah, solve some of the current and past issues we, we've all faced. Kindness. Well yeah. Um, what's your favorite crazy startup idea that no one's done yet? Can I pass this one? <laughs> okay, you can, you can pass. Um, mine is um, obviously okay. So mine is obviously the um, the pollution tech thing, where where you can make a. I mean, it's crazy to think you can do this because I don't think it's possible. But I want to get my salad not in plastic. I want to get it in like a leaf material or something. You know what I mean? Oh, that that, that biodegrades over time. Be good. That, I think, is really important, but on a global scale, you know. Um, uh, what's something you would advise early-stage founders to cultivate early on? Definitely what we spoke about yeah. earlier. Empathy. And, uh, resilience. Oh, yes. Resilience. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the first good business book that comes to mind? Uh, actually, I'm actually a huge fan of uh, reading articles. Yeah. Uh, so vast network on LinkedIn with people from very different background profiles and I feel like a lot of the articles posted and are very valuable there are a lot of blogs and you yeah. know on long the form industry. content exactly no that so, counts long form content you know because I think given the pace of uh, of my life but I think a lot of us are actually like that we don't necessarily have you know the time to sit down and yeah. read a 300 page book which is <laughs> 
probably not great, but that's the reality of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but do I have like five minutes, ten minutes here and then during the day to read, uh, you know, insightful uh, articles uh, written by experts? Yes, definitely. And I strongly encourage uh, everyone to do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the next one is intelligence or relentlessness? Uh, the second one, but I'm not English speaking, you know, so I can't Re say it, but yeah, definitely no, no. that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to practice. <laughs> Um, um, what's the best piece of advice you've received? Doesn't have to be about startups. Anything. Um, always listen to advice, feedback provided by people around you, coming from whether it's coming from the CEO or whether it's coming from uh, the janitor. Even if uh, we should not necessarily oppose those two functions. Uh, and so you listen and then you use your own kind of uh, filter to know which advice is relevant to your personal situation or not. But, but you should never completely discount, yeah. exactly discount or block advice because they don't come, they don't come from a person you kind of rate. Or... What's your favorite material object you own? Uh, I'm not a materialistic person, yeah, I mean, so I'm not uh, sure how to... Yeah, uh, same, you know, lots of people don't know how to answer this question. Yeah, no, because I guess, uh, good question, it's like, if there was one object I would take, no, it would be my phone, my credit card, and my passport, so... Oh, no, <laughs> but these, these yeah, are yeah, not yeah. like... Okay, yeah, no, 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 of course. Um, so, if you weren't involved in what you were, in, in what you are involved in, what would you be doing? If you had to choose your number two career... <laughs> investing <laughs> <laughs> uh, no no I just um, no obviously I have lots of hobbies and, and different things and at some point I was a volunteer firefighter I wow. scuba dive I wow. do a thousand of things but at the end of the day what um, makes me excited what keeps me awake is like interacting meeting new entrepreneurs and you know yeah, yeah. Um, Elon or Bezos Elon, without easy, any hesitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's the right answer. Um, but, <laughs> but, but actually, there's, there's a long discussion to be had between those two. You know, it, it, you can go into depth, and Bezos has some really good. I mean, you know, anyway, he, Bezos gets A plus for consistency. <laughs> um, so, if you could have any three founders, dead or alive, over for dinner, who would they be? Uh, Elon, Rihanna, and Elon, uh, and Jack Ma. Well, um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Eh? No, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure and uh, looking forward to uh, staying in touch and continue to talk about uh, angel investments on the continent. Fantastic. In the thanks. <laughs>